Hey guys, this podcast is brought to you by CBDMD.com. Great, high-quality CBD products for your aches and pains. You use the code word that dad presents for 15% off and you put a nickel in your boy's pocket and help me feed them kids. Um, I just got back from the Pacific. I was doing some prone paddle boarding. Um, it's basically a long surfboard. You lay down and you paddle with your hands. I'm, I'm trying to build up to do the annual race to Catalina and back, which is about 30 miles. And as it stands, I can do about a mile. I had a long way to go. Um, but I'll tell you what, without those CBD products, you guys know I got titanium plates on my neck and shoulder. I wouldn't be able to go five yards. Um, Laying down on my belly, looking up out at the ocean and holding that position while paddling would be excruciating for me. CBD has got me to a point where I can not only assume that position, but I can paddle for a mile and I'm going to keep at it and I'm going to do that Catalina race by next year. So go to the website, use the code the dad presents, get that high quality CBD and uh, help help your boy Matt make some money. All right, so uh, let's get into it. Okay, guys, today on the show, we've got the eloquent, the smooth, the beautiful Spike Cohen, vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. He's come back and we're happy to have him. Uh, We're going to get into that in a minute. But before we do, I've just got a couple thoughts that I want to get off my mind. You know, the, the country right now, it seems like we're at war with each other. We got people shooting each other in the streets And we've got people going after each other in social media. We've got families breaking up. We've got a lot of misdirected anger. The left blames the right. The right blames the left. And truth is, the left and the right are not to to blame for what's going on in this country, most especially not the voting population on the left and the right. It's the elite Warhawk class that's to blame. They've spent trillions of our dollars to send our boys to to war, to murder other boys. They bankrupted the country with terrible policies that have enriched their friends. They've stripped the dollar of its value by printing trillions for these supposed bailouts that do nothing but enrich the banks and, and giant corporations. We don't get bailouts. Small businesses don't get bailouts. The left and the right are not to blame. It's the ruling class of the war hawk elites. It's the Obamas and the Clintons and the Bushes and the Bidens and John McCain and Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. These are the enemies of the people and and we let them poison the water with their identity politics and they get us fighting with each other. And I know I've been down this road many times, but but the reason I'm having Spike on is because I want to let you guys know, you know, if the Democrats... If they really wanted to help black people, if they really, really wanted to help black people, they would have ended the drug war a long time ago because nothing does more damage to the black community than the fact that 75% of those households have no dad in the home. And a large part of that is because of the drug war. It's just a statistical fact that the single most um, correlated fact with success is being raised in a two-parent home and the single most correlated uh factor of whether or not you end up in prison or don't finish high school is not growing up in a two-parent home. That's a statistical fact, and nothing's ripped black families apart more than the drug war. 
And if Republicans cared so much about the working class, they'd abolish regulations that are written by lobbyists for giant corporations intended to keep competition from rising up. Um, these corporations, they, they love regulations. They can keep up with the regulations and work around it, but they know that their competitors can't afford to. So it allows them to create giant monopolies. And I mean, if either one of these parties wanted to help anyone, they would end the wars tomorrow. All of them have started more wars. All of them ex except Trump. I got to give him credit there. He did not start a single new war. And you know, over the weekend, he said something really brave and really interesting. And I got to give him props. He said that he said that the military brass does not like him because he won't start new wars and they want these wars to enrich the military industrial complex and weapons manufacturers. And man, I've been singing that tune for, for 20 years and I'd love if he took action and actually ended the wars. But the point is, and, and that's really why the Republican and Democratic establishment don't like the man. They don't care if he's racist or not. They don't like him because he's not helping them make more money by fighting more wars. But anyway, back to the establishment Republicans and Democrats. If they really wanted to help the American people, they'd end those wars. They'd stop it with the bailouts for, for banks and airline companies and the car industry. They, they'd stop making your money worthless by just inflating the currency and, and creating banking laws that really hurt the American people and tilt the scales and allow these banks to, to make ungodly amounts of money. But they don't do that. Neither of those parties, if there's anything they're ever in agreement on, it's banking policy and wars. I mean, and that's why a libertarian candidate has a hard time getting traction. He's not going to get any support from any corporations. You will never see a major corporation support a libertarian candidate. Never. And, and we saw in 2008 when Ron Paul got some serious traction, what did they do? The, the elite media went after him and tore him apart. And the Republican establishment changed their debate rules specifically so he could not get into it. Right? So libertarian policies are the only ones that can save us from the, from the elite, from, from the establishment, from this horrible duopoly. So I have Spike on today, again, and the way we're going to do this is I, I've asked you guys for questions to ask him. I, I want to know what is your number one most important issue as a voter? And I'm going to pose those to him, and then he's going to tell you why the libertarian solution is the solution for you. So guys, um, I love having Spike on. I love talking to him, and I really hope you enjoy the show. So, Spike, thanks for joining the show. Uh, we're we're super excited to have you back. I know you just got done with a a, a long uh, bus tour. You're out yeah. there campaigning hard. Uh, some other presidential candidates aren't doing much campaigning, <laughs> so I'm glad you're doing it. Um, I I wanted to do this episode a little different. So once once you guys agreed to come back on, I put the question out to my audience. And I said, um, give us your biggest issue in the upcoming right. election on what you vote on. Give me a question. I'll present it to Spike and Spike will tell you why the Libertarian Party is the only choice for you. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. So I got questions here. The first question I got is, uh, it's Jim from Cedar Rapids. And he sent this question via messenger. He says, in my opinion, critical race theory and identity politics are a tool of the elite that pit us against each other while they steal from us. 
Once a person wraps his head around that truth, everything else starts to fall in place. And it's not long until you reach the conclusion that taxes, theft, and the non-aggression principle is the most important principle. Do you agree that identity, identity politics are bad for us? And if in office, what will you do to end the nightmare of identity politics? Well, first of all, I just want to give my heartfelt condolences to the people in the Cedar Rapids area that were dealing with the aftermath of the, the storms that blew through there a few weeks ago. Um, we, uh, I was in Des Moines, uh, which is not very close to Cedar Rapids, but just hearing the stories of what was happening out of there were absolutely heartbreaking. I'm yeah. in an area that's often affected by hurricanes. I can absolutely empathize with what y'all are going through. It's, up it's there. crazy. You know, in any other year, that would be one of the biggest stories, if yeah. not the biggest story this this year, kind of this came year, it's, it was like a blip. It was like a blip in the midst of uh, you know, COVID and forest fires and murder yeah. hornets and everything else. Yeah. So I, I, I but you definitely, uh, we definitely, uh, uh, deeply, deeply in our thoughts. Um, so regarding the question, uh, critical race theory is is a theory that has some presuppositions that are true, but it often takes it to a very weird logical conclusion. Uh, it is true that race is an abstraction and that that abstraction, that, 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 that social, um, uh, uh, that social uh, abstract that's been created, that social construct that's been created um, is often used for harmful things. Uh, there is no uh, demonstrable scientific thing as race. Uh, it is a, a, a completely subjective term uh, and it was always used for, for, for harm. It was always used initially uh, and, and to, with the idea that, you know, this race, quote unquote, is superior to this other race and right. that therefore we can enslave them. Therefore we can subjugate them. Therefore we can conquer their countries and show them how to do things yeah. the civilized way and all that. That goes back to what you were talking about in the last show about where the concept of white power came from. Yeah. White supremacy mm -hmm. and systemic racism. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but then critical race theory does a weird pivot at the end saying that race needs to be used as a powerful tool to achieve equality for lack of a better term. I mean, we could, we could spend entire episodes just talking about this subject, but if you go to the logical conclusion, and I, I think the question that, that Jim, the way he phrased it was, this was true. If you go to the logical conclusion of critical race theory and systemic racism and all these ideas, the logical conclusion of the idea that a handful of people created ab constructs that they used to pit us all against each other is a reason to dismantle those things, to work to find ways to alleviate the harm that is happening to the most marginalized by the people most marginalized by those constructs and abstractions, yes, but also to eventually work towards a, a reality in which we aren't putting each other into different subgroups and we are operating exactly. as human beings uh, and, and, and are operating on a, on a, on a you know, basing each other, as Dr. King said, on the content of our character rather than on our race and, and moving towards that as yeah. the end goal. Um, so, I, you know, whenever I, I interact with anyone who's operating from any mindset or, or, or belief system, I recognize that almost all belief systems have kernels of truth and that the people that are, uh, that are following them, for lack of a better word, uh, are operating based on valid concerns and fears and hopes and dreams and to meet them where they are and to listen to what they have to say. And what I'm hearing over and over again from Black Lives Matter protesters, uh, you know, uh, intersectional critical race theory believers and everything else, it, is all, it all boils down to, you know, they are upset that there is basically a central planning that is happening in a, in a centralized way by a very small handful of incredibly powerful people and they wish to dismantle that. And I go further and say, yeah, we definitely need to dismantle that. 
And here's the plan to how to do that. And the plan to do that is human liberty. The plan to do that is libertarian uh, praxis applied to how to fix these problems. Um, The question of identity politics is a little bit more murky because I think that there are... Simplifying this somewhat, I think there are two kinds of identity politics. One is where you say, you are this identity. You are black, you are white, you're a male, you're a female, you're whatever. And so therefore you have to vote this way. And if you don't, you're not really one of us. And I mean, the, the logical conclusion of that Biden kind of identity politics. That. What's that? I said Joe Biden straight up said that. Exactly. The logical, the logical conclusion of that kind of identity politics is an old white man who's one of the architects of systemic racism in the 20th and early 21st century telling black people that if they don't vote for him, they ain't black. That is that kind of identity yeah. politics. But then there's another kind. For example, what brought me into libertarianism was entrepreneurial identity politics. Uh, I was, you know, people empathized with me as an entrepreneur and my concerns, which were lower taxes, lower regulation, getting government out of my way so I could grow my business and feed my family and help grow my community and so forth. Uh, I think if you were part of an identity, for example, a person of color uh, or gender or sexual minority or some other group that is disproportionately marginalized and harmed by the current system that we have, it would make sense that those groups would kind of form together, not to say you have to vote one way or else you're not one of us, but simply to say, we don't have the same level of power that members of other groups have. And so we have to consolidate somewhat and speak as, you know, somewhat as a group. I think the end goal is to make, to change that reality so that they don't feel the need to do that. But in the meantime, I don't feel a need to go into, you know, like a Black Lives Matter group or, you know, uh, an LGBTQ group and say, you know, the biggest problem here is that you guys are forming your yourselves by your identity because that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem are the harms that are being done to them and to all of us to, to varying extents that are leading them to feel like they need to do that in the first place. We can dismantle that stuff by meeting them where they are and working towards a, a world where we don't have to identity base each other, where we, where we do have our power and our freedom and our wealth back so that we can be uh, financially and socially independent of these harmful constructs. Yeah, I, I, I largely agree with you just personally. Um, however, I, I feel like identity politics has kind of been used as a tool by the elite um, to, to keep everyone fighting with each other oh, of course. While, yeah. while they're stealing from all of us. So exactly. they, they, they get us to identify in these, these groups according to color or gender or whatever. And, and then they point at one group and say, this is the bad guy. This is the marginalized group. And then they get those groups arguing with each other while they're just raping everybody. That, that's my problem with it. Did, did I, when, I, when we spoke, I used my analogy about if we were eating lunch and I got uh, hit yes. with a baseball bat and you got yep. shot. That is exactly that. Yeah. That division of, of disagreement was already there, at least the kernel of it was. And then imagine if in that scenario, the guy who, who hit me in the head and shot you showed up and said, yeah, well, can you believe that he said I'm harming you more than 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 I you know than I or that I harmed him more than I harmed you, and then and then goes over to you and say, can you believe he said that that you know he got harmed right. worse than you? Can you believe it would be our victimizer coming back and getting us to argue even more? Yeah. Um, so no, I agree. The end goal is eventually to dismantle these kinds of things, uh, which will happen as a I believe a natural result of dismantling the harm that's being done. Uh, I just don't think that the initial problem is the identity politics itself. I think it is a unfortunate it's a symptom. side effect. It's a symptom yep. of the actual problem, which is that state violence in the first place. Sure, sure. I agree with that. Okay. But no, absolutely. They absolutely exploit it for their own ends. Yeah. I'm going to skip uh, the next question because uh, the path we're going down kind of takes us into this one. Okay. And this comes from Dave on Twitter at Libertarian Free Thought. 
Okay. Um, it it kind of goes along with, with what you're talking here. And I've noticed this myself. And he says, there's been a beef in the libertarian party recently. Seems the left wing of the party and the right wing of the party are at war with each other right. on Twitter and other social media. Mm-hmm. The party is too small for us to be fractured. He's right about that. Yes. There were some tweets from Joe's account that the right side of the party took some issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, you're, if you're not familiar with those tweets, I am. I could repeat them. But what he wants I, to I, I know, does, I know at least the, act, the uh, actively anti-racist one that, that's that one. Uh, some people yep. took the wrong way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what he wants to know is, number one, does Joe have control of her own Twitter? And if not, why? <laughs> and number two, it's important to unify the party. So how can you guys do that? So uh, both Joe and I have control of our Twitters, but we also have teams of people that are that are putting stuff out. Um, and but largely, what is out there is what we would say ourselves. I mean, there may be times uh, that something I wrote, something that was written on my account, is would word something slightly different. But usually, it it, it wouldn't really matter. It wouldn't be a noticeable thing if one if someone read one one thing or the other. And that's that's the same with Joe. Uh, that quote uh, about the act of anti-racism was actually a, a snippet from her speech to the Libertarian Party uh, convention in Orlando. It was actually uh, tweeted out, uh, I believe, a few minutes or an hour or so after she said it live in, in Orlando. Um, right. And here's what that quote means, by the way. Ron Paul back in, I think it was 2007 or 2008, he was asked by an interview, it might have been, or it, it was sometime in the 2000s, he was asked about allegations that he was racist. And he said, I "I can't be racist. I'm a libertarian. We reject all forms of collectivism. And and racism is just another form of malignant uh, malignant collectivism. Libertarianism. It's true. Libertarianism is actively anti-racist. Because when you apply libertarian praxis, when you apply libertarian policies to the problems that we are facing, a powerful racist has their power taken from them, and now they're just a prick. Now they're just someone that you can agree with them, you can disagree with them, you can hate them, whatever else, but they can't do anything to hurt you. Who do you fear more? A rabid racist who hates everything about black people, who doesn't own anything and lives in subsidized housing and doesn't own anything to their they own very little to their name and have absolutely no power to harm you at all, or a more casual racist who's president? Sure. Yeah. That's, that is what active anti-racism is. We yep. take the power from not yeah. just racist, but any kind of malignant collectivist and put the power back in your hands. And that was essentially what we were saying there. We weren't saying you have to beat up your uncle if they say something racist, because that was what I was often told. Is that I have to disown my family? No, no, no. Active anti-racism doesn't mean you have to pick a, a fight with every single person that you see who says or utters something that is or may be construed as racist. It means that when we are libertarian, in order to apply what we are doing, it will be actively anti-racist. And so it was actually an appeal to the greater uh, you know, American political body that it's not enough to sit back and go, this is bad. We have to actually engage in policies that will dismantle it. And only the Libertarian Party is proposing policies that will intuitively f- solve these problems. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I, um, I heard you on, on Dave Smith's podcast. You know, he's a pretty big voice in the Libertarian yep, yep, Party. And I, th- yep. I thought you did a really good job there answering that kind of question. Um, the, the only problem there, I would say, is that, that that's your definition of anti-racism, which mm-hmm. would be my definition, right? Right, that, right? But that's not the way the term has been defined by the left. And I think some people felt like that's where you guys were jumping on with it. But I, the definition you just gave... Yep. 
that to me is what anti-racism means. Here is the problem, Matt. And, 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 and you are correct. That's not how the far left has often used it. Um, although some of their proposals of anti-racism actually jive with ours, especially when it comes to you know police accountability and the war on drugs and things like that. But if we are to only allow ourselves to use and utilize terms that have not already been weaponized by the far left or the far right, we will find that there's very little we can there's, actually say. There's nothing For example, left. the term taxation is theft, which was actually started by libertarians, has completely been co-opted or at least is heavily used by people on the far right now. Right. Even though many of those people on the far right are in favor of tariffs and, and all sorts of other taxes, yeah. as long as they don't call them taxes. Um, if we were to abandon that and go, well, now that the far right has this, we can't, we can't say that anymore. Uh, if we were to abandon uh, any of the things that we talk, ending the wars, that's a, that's been a huge, uh, you know, drumbeat of the of the progressive left, uh, as well as many people on the on the constitutionalist yep. right. Um, I I reject the idea that we can afford to either ignore movements that are much larger than ours and hope that our our silent disdain of them will somehow affect them in some way, uh, or uh, to to stop using uh, uh, phrases and ideas um, because of uh, you know because someone else is using it in a different way. Now, one valid criticism I've heard is that in that tweet it didn't fully explain it, and that's just kind of the reality of Twitter. You know, it's it's hard to break things down without making this massive tweet thread. Uh, in retrospect, would it have been good to then have a tweet thread explaining that? Yes, it probably would have. Yeah. Um, but in terms of what we're actually promoting, uh, I defy someone to find anything that, that Joe and I are promoting in terms of policy that doesn't jive 100% with the concept of libertarianism and what we're trying to achieve. Yep. I mean, the reality is the country's a tinderbox right now. So yeah. you, if, you, if you're on Twitter, you're going to step in it at some point. Of course. Yeah. You know, people yeah. are just highly sensitive right now. Yeah. Um, all right. Question number three. Uh, I'll go back now to Elizabeth in Texas. She submitted this on Facebook. Okay. Hey, Elizabeth, she says, my issue is the military industrial complex, mm -hmm. and I've been libertarian all the way. However, this past week, Trump actually said that the Pentagon and weapons manufacturers hate him because he wants to bring troops home. I've not heard a president say anything like that since Dwight Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. Electing Biden means another war in Syria. I want to vote libertarian, but with stakes this high, can I vote for a candidate who's most likely not going to win? So we are likely to win if people vote for us is the first thing I'll say <laughs> right. to that. I mean, there's, right. there's nothing preventing us from winning. We're going to be on all 50, we, we, we're going to be on all 50 state ballots oh, you are now. and Guam. Yeah, we, we oh, have excellent. just gotten that confirmed. We are going to be in all 50 state ballots plus DC and even Guam. So if you live in, if you're for, for Matt's Guamite listeners or Guamish, <laughs> however you say people from Guam, you well, can even lost for them. I'm pretty sure you there's, there's absolute, whatever the people from Guam, I apologize greatly. <laughs> uh, whatever, wherever you live in the U S you can vote for us. So there is literally nothing stopping us from winning. Now to the question about, about uh, uh, Donald Trump, his rhetoric has been as anti-war as any president's rhetoric has been in the, in the past, at least two or three decades, uh, probably since Carter. Um, yes. Which is not a high bar to, to no. hurdle. Really, if you even just say you don't want more war, that makes you the most anti-war president since Carter. Yeah. Um, in terms of his actual policies, there are more troops overseas than there were when Donald Trump got into office. Um, the genocide in Yemen that the U.S. military is underwriting uh, and is being undertaken by the Saudi government and Al-Qaeda. It's yeah. not just a, a genocide, it's treason uh, because Al-Qaeda is a sworn enemy of the United States and the U.S. government is giving them massive amounts of money and funding and training and equipment. If any of us 
gave a penny to Al-Qaeda, we would go to jail for a very, 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 or even talked about giving a penny to Al-Qaeda. We would go to jail for a very, very, very long time, possibly even be executed. The U.S. government does it every single day. That has continued and actually continued yep. to, to be strengthened uh, and expanded under Donald Trump. He even said uh, when the uh, Saudi government killed uh, uh, Khashoggi, he said, I'm not going to fully pursue this because we have a very lucrative weapons deal with them. Yeah. He's talking you know, about the Yemen genocide. Not, not, not to cut you off, but to me, all you need to know about the mainstream parties and the mainstream media is that they wanted to impeach Trump for that Ukraine business, which was, I don't know what that was, but you could impeach Trump and you could impeach Obama for what's going on in there Yemen. There was way more. That and nobody mentions it. Yeah, nobody no. ever mentions no. Yemen. And you yeah. could have impeached the last two presidents for that. Never you could have put them in jail for that. about them. Yes, you could have put them in jail for that, yes. and instead they talked about the Ukraine. Which, whatever you think about the Ukraine, it pales in comparison to what's happening in Yemen. There is a literal genocide in Yemen. So, yes. is Donald Trump's rhetoric about the wars better than the other ones? Yeah, sure, but his actual actions, he's continued to escalate it. Would uh, uh, Joe Biden escalate it further than Trump would? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. But I do know this. If you want to end the wars and bring the troops home, there's only one candidate that can viably do that and is even talking about viably doing that. Because at this point, Trump isn't talking about ending the wars and bringing the troops home. He occasionally throws out that kind of fluff. Uh, but his policy is very much same in the neocon camp. That's why the neocons have embraced him fully and full-throatedly. Um, there's only one person you can vote for that will end the wars and bring the troops home. Uh, and that is the bane of neocons around the world. And that is Joe Jorgensen. Yeah, there you go, Elizabeth. Uh, libertarian vote is the only vote to if you're anti-war. That's my number one issue also. Yeah. And that's the whole reason I became a libertarian. That's the number one issue. Um, what you said about the neocons, I want to challenge that or at least get clarification on that. Because it seems to me all the, the neocons have swung over to the Democratic Party. When I watched the two conventions, I mean, they were all there. What what neocons are, are backing Trump or what what industries are backing Trump? Oh, any of the I mean, any of the the, the, the industry backers are, are, are backing Trump. Um, all of the, the, the people in APAC, AIPAC, uh, the American Israel uh, Political Action Committee are 100 percent behind Trump. Uh, all of the big you know, billionaires in the defense industry are equally behind Trump and Biden. Because let's be clear, they're not putting all their chips in, in, in one basket because they don't have to, because the, it is one basket. It's the Republican party. Uh, but I, I'm telling you right now, and, and, and you see it in how, uh, in how the, the votes are lining up and how the corporate money is lining up for Trump and Biden. Uh, they don't see it as a loss if either one of them wins. Uh, and they haven't seen it as a loss during that time. Government spending, defense spending has rapidly increased under Donald Trump. Uh, one uh, one thing that, yeah, at all time highs, and he constantly talks about how we need to have a stronger military. Well, if you talk to the people, the troops who are coming home, they aren't strong. They aren't strong. They are well-funded, yeah, or at least that's the a difference. Mm-hmm. killing part is well-funded, but they come home broken yeah. psychologically, sometimes physically. Uh, they, they have loved ones that are dying overseas while they're fighting. Like th- this is, yeah. th- 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 that's not strength. It's strong if you're a military contractor or a foreign dictator or a drug cartel who relies on uh, government protection for poppy fields and for the drug trade. Uh, But if you are an average everyday American, we are not strong uh, and we're certainly not safe. No. Uh, we are, uh, and, and, and we're having debt run up in, in our names and the names of our future generations to keep a worldwide genocide going. Yep. It's, it's, it's sickening. Um, you know, to me, 
I, I hated the right for a very long time because because of their their foreign policy. And that's the most disappointing thing about the left is that they've jumped right in with that. They're they're oh of course yeah just as bad if not worse. Um, all right, they're so, red baiting. They're now red baiting. So now if you say you want to end the wars, they go oh yeah, to help the Russians. I'm like is this an, is this yeah. McCarthyism again? Uh, it's, we can't talk about ending wars without us being Russian, paid Russian agents. Uh, but that's the really. same, you know, I mean, it's, the, the Republicans on the deficit and spending, you know, are, yep. you know, budget yep. hawks when yep. the Democrats are in office. 100%. And then when it's a Republican, it's all nonsense. It's all left well, left and right rope-a-dope garbage. Every president since Reagan has broken the previous president's record, record for on, spending, yep, regardless yep. of what party. Okay. Yep, I want to, exactly. uh, we're, we're already 22 minutes in. I want to get a couple more questions in. Sure. Sure. So let's move on. I got Melissa and PA from Twitter. She says, she says that, um, maybe it's because I'm a mom, but I'm a softy and my issue is kids in cages. Why libertarian for me? We're the only ones that will set the kids free from the cages. Let's be clear as brutal as Donald Trump has been, uh, when it comes to the war on the border and 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 taking people who are crossing for peaceful reasons to for you know economic reasons to reunite with their family to escape uh, political violence in their home countries, usually because of of, of destabilization of their country from U.S. And, and foreign intelligence agencies. The reason, as brutal as Donald Trump has been during that, he could not hope to break Barack Obama's record for forceful de- deportations. He's come nowhere close. And it was actually under the Obama administration that the policies were created at the regulatory level that led to the separation between yep. children and families in their cages. All of that happened under Obama. And the yep. reason you didn't hear about it during the time Obama was in office was because it didn't fit the media narrative. No, he's got the media. Yeah. So it's actually worse. It's actually worse than him having just the one side of the media. The left-wing media needed to push forward that he was a man of the people who, who wanted to end the suffering of immigrants, and the people on the right needed to push that he was weak on the border and right. wanted all those dirty illegals to come in and take our jobs. The reality was he was just as brutal on immigration as Trump was, and the same thing with Trump. The reason that they're not talking about the fact that Obama was actually slightly more brutal than Trump was, uh, or at the very least, he was less brutal, but only because... Trump came after him. If it had been Trump first and Obama, then Obama would have, you know, that's mm-hmm. how it works. It just keeps getting worse and worse. But that with that, you know, uh, the reason they aren't talking about that with Trump is because the right has to push the narrative that Donald Trump is a warrior on the border is going to stop all the illegals that no one else would stop. And yep. the, the left has to say that he's this evil racist who wants to harm brown people uh, on the border. And uh, that media narrative doesn't work if you just see that things keep getting worse and worse, no matter who's in office. Nope. Um, the as, much, party. as much as as uh, Trump and Obama sling crap at each other, if you yep. look how they governed, there's very little difference, very and little and difference. people are are blind to it because they get caught up in the rhetoric. Yeah, the Libertarian Party is the only party that will bring us back to an Ellis Island style of of immigration. People come in, they say who they are, they say where they're from, they get checked for communicable diseases. If they have one, they're they're quarantined for whatever period is needed, and then they're allowed to go on their way because it's none of the government's business where peaceful people go for peaceful purposes. The purpose of the border was not to tell people where they can and cannot go. The purpose of the border was twofold, according to the founders. And, and this was the case in all countries until the post-World War II period where labor unionists took over you know, what, what the border is supposed to mean. Yep. The border was supposed to delineate the jurisdiction of governments. And it was also supposed to be a line 
where if you wanted to cross a military over that border or you wanted to fire rockets over that border or start a conflict over that border, you were now essentially declaring war without having to do so. It was a clear line in the sand saying, don't cross this and try to invade us and, and, and harm us. It was never used. As uh, it was never intended to be, if you want to come here for work, if you want to mm-hmm. come here to reunite with your family, if you want to come here to escape violence as a, as a refugee, that you know you can't come here. Um, and all of the arguments about you know, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, we don't want them to come and use welfare. Okay, so don't let them use welfare then. Yep. Uh, we don't want them to come and commit crime. Well, the studies show that uh, people who just got here are less likely to commit violent and property uh, theft crimes than uh, than people that were born here so thankfully that's not really an issue um all and and the taking our jobs thing that means we need to deregulate the economy so that uh, american labor is more uh, uh desirable because if you've been working your whole life here as an american and someone can come here uh illegally um and barely speak the language and their labor is already more desirable than yours that is not that person's fault that is the fault of the of the cronies and the politicians who made your labor so undesirable in the first place so all of right. those problems are problems with something else if you want to see an end to the cages on the border if you want to see freeing families and letting them go live their peaceful lives as they intended and as the founders intended for them to live the libertarian party is the only party that will do that Great answer. Melissa, I hope that answers it for you. So we've got four minutes. I want to throw one more I'm gonna question get, so at you. I can, I can give you till 440. So I can give you about 14 more minutes. Oh, excellent. Well, then let me follow up on that because I did have one question. I, I agree with everything you, you said about that. But personally, I want to know how you feel about uh, providing benefits like uh, Medicare for illegal immigrants. So I don't think, I don't believe in Medicare for anyone. Uh, And I believe that we need to be scaling back those plans, not by removing the safety nets, but by putting the ladders back so people can climb out of them. Um, Medicare for all would be, first of all, it wouldn't be Medicare for all. It would be the VA for all, or at best Medicaid for all. There's no way with the numbers they're putting forward that they would be able to afford as lavish a medical system as they're able to give to seniors under under Medicare. It would have to necessarily be the VA, something between the VA or Medicaid. It would be horrific outcomes for everyone. It would brutalize our our healthcare system and make things even worse. We have some major problems with our healthcare system, and 75% of the cost of healthcare, according to recent studies, is just the red tape and bureaucracy that has been put in healthcare. When you go to see your doctor, it's not just your doctor that's being paid. There are about a thousand people between you and your doctor, Uh, uh, people in the insurance industry, people in the regulatory agencies, uh, administrators that have to be hired at all different levels to make sure that all the various rules and red tape are being uh, complied with. And all of them have to get their piece, their salary or their cut in order for you to be able to get that service that you need. That's why the doctor can't even tell you what the price costs because they have to run it through the bureaucracy before they even find out. It is a yep. terrible system and we need to completely deregulate it. Absolutely. But in terms of social safety nets for people that came here legally or illegally, I think if you come here, I think the general understanding is that you came here to try to provide for yourselves. And I think that long-term we need to be working towards uh, eliminating the need for social safety nets for anyone. Again, not by removing the nets, but by putting the ladders back so people can climb their way out. I, I went to tours and housing projects and talked with people who didn't have a penny to their name uh, and they all had, or, or they didn't have very much to their name. They all had little side hustles. They wanted to grow their businesses, but they couldn't because of occupational licensing laws. And so Ugh. they could never truly grow their companies because if they grew it too much, the police would show up and use civil asset forfeiture to take everything that they had without trial. And now they're back at square run. So they're living on the state. They don't want to live like that. They don't want to live in substandard ghetto housing. They want to be able to grow their communities like anyone else does. So we get rid of, we put those ladders back. People can grow out of it. We don't need the kind of social safety net we have now. And now we don't fear that people are coming here to get on it. 
Yeah, um, Melissa. So I, I work in healthcare. That's my day job. I've worked in healthcare for 20 years. And I can tell you what, what, what Spike is saying about Medicare is true. There's so much red tape. And that red tape is put in place on purpose by government workers to help protect their own jobs. Um, it's, it's, it's a quagmire and it's, mm-hmm. it's got to go. Um, all right. Next question comes from, now I feel bad saying this to a vice presidential candidate, but his Twitter handle is at SiriusAss on Twitter. He says, um, you know, this one's kind of a tough one, and I, I'm not even familiar if this is an accurate quote, but okay. I, I, I want to go with what he said because I found okay. this interesting. He's, he says, Spike, I'm a libertarian. You've previously stated that you don't have to support the violent things of some organizations that align themselves with anti-fascism in order to be Antifa. If you are libertarian, you are Antifa. So he says, those claiming to be Antifa are rioting and hurting other innocent people people that's violating the first rule of libertarianism the non-aggression principle can you clarify what you meant about libertarians are antifa so the the quote that he's giving i said libertarianism is anti-fascist it is against fascism and i was doing that within the context of when donald trump was saying that he was going to have the federal government label antifa a terrorist organization and what i said in that tweet and in that in that in the, the greater part of that post i said there is no organization called antifa there is no actual structural organization it is an umbrella term that talks about that that refers to anyone who is uh, against fascism. It includes some violent people. It includes people who call themselves anti-fascist and who engage in violence and rioting and looting and, and, and everything else. It also includes many other people who are very peaceful. Their anti-fascism is food kitchens. Their anti-fascism is advocating for an end to uh, you know bad government policies. Their anti-fascism is libertarianism. Um, so when I said we are, I didn't say we are Antifa. I said we are, that libertarianism is inherently anti-fascist, yes, which true. means that if you let the government label us a terrorist organization, it will be used to subject us to the same things that they subject other terrorists to. We will be denied our due process rights. We will be potentially waterboarded. We will be potentially sent to countries where we can be tortured. We will be denied uh, you know, the right to an attorney. We will be potentially uh, uh, detained indefinitely without any trial like they've done to people in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, yeah. All of those things can happen the moment that they label Antifa, which is, again, not an actual organization, as being a terrorist organization. So that, that's where that quote came from. Okay. Now, going back to what you said, that there are uh, people who, who claim the mantle of Antifa that are doing violent things. That's true of the boob boys. That's true of Second Amendment protesters. That's true of conservatives. That's true of progressives. That's true of Black Lives Matter. That's true of every single large movement, including libertarians. There are people, there are bad actors in every group who claim the mantle of that organization, the Tea Party. There are people, bad actors, who do bad things and who do violent things. We reject, Joe and I, the entire Libertarian Party, we reject anyone who is harming and using violence and theft and and pillaging and looting uh, and any of those things to achieve social or political goals. The only time that violence is correct is in direct defense of self or others. That is it. That is, yes. that is the only reason to ever be able to use violence. And we reject anyone who does that under any uh, uh, mantle or, or, or umbrella term. Uh, but that's what I meant when I said that libertarianism is inherently anti-fascist. It is. Libertarianism goes against yeah. fascism. If, if your quote was that libertarians are, are anti-fascist, anti-fascist. Yeah. that's, that's 100%. We are. Um, yeah. So he's misquoting you if you said libertarians are Antifa. But you, so you're saying Antifa is not, there's some bad actors in Antifa. I don't think it's fair to compare Antifa to the Tea Party. I don't remember 
violence of this nature when the Tea Party was rising up. I mean, there's a lot of violence in the streets right now. And nearly all of those people are claiming to be Antifa. I mean, mm-hmm. when you say there's no Antifa organization, I mean, I've, I follow a lot of Twitter accounts that are like verified Antifa. So yeah, yeah. no, not- there are Antifa groups, but it's not as though there's like some 5013C called Antifa and you, you, you get a membership card or anything like that. And the point I'm making when I say that is that if you give the government the power to label Antifa an, a terrorist organization, where the only, only uh, uh, um, um, rallying cry behind people who claim Antifa is being anti-fascist, if we look at the history of how government uses the power that it's granted, they will use it against anyone that they claim to call Antifa. Uh, and that would include a lot of people who right now don't even like uh, many of the people who are claiming that that, that are calling themselves Antifa. Uh, I know members, uh, or not members, I know people who claim the mantle of Antifa, who are not violent, who, are, who have spoken out against that violence, uh, both from them and from others, uh, whose their version of being anti-fascist is growing urban uh, uh, co-op farms and uh, and doing engaging in mutual aid and and providing uh, you know illegal uh, safe injection sites for addicts and helping to get them uh, uh, you know off of their addictions to drugs. That is their way of of being anti-fascist. That is their way of being antifa. Uh, the media will look at the caricatures of any organization. And we've seen it with Black Lives Matter. They will try, there are, are elements within the media that want to paint all Black Lives Matter as, you know, murderous, violent thugs. Same thing with Antifa. We saw it often with, again, with the Tea Party. And was the Tea Party engaging in as much violence? No, probably not. But were there violent members who made threatening, uh, you know, made threats to Obama and others? Yeah, there absolutely were. Was that the movement? No. Um, I, I, I refuse to allow uh, bad actors within a, especially as loose knit a movement as an Antifa or a Black Lives Matter or a Boogaloo Boys, um, to besmirch anyone under that banner uh, when the, the, the actual rallying cry behind that organization is a good one. With the Boog Boys, it is, you know, we don't want violence, but we will defend ourselves. With Black Lives Matter, it is that we want uh, the people that are in power to be held accountable when they harm us and others. Uh, with, anti- with Antifa, it's, it's a real simple one. We're against fascism. Um, so I, I, I don't want to, I'm not, especially knowing people that claim the mantle of Antifa who are the exact opposite of, of, of looters and, and, and rioters and, and violent people. Uh, I'm not going to allow bad actors that claim the mantle of that movement to besmirch everyone else. in it. Sure. And there's, there's no doubt that when you give the government power, they will abuse it. Um, so I agree exactly. with you hundred percent there. Um, and you condemn the violence. So that's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah, and that no, should be, it, it, that should be good enough for anyone. Uh, anyone thing, for any reason to engaging in violence for anything other than direct yes, because that's the libertarian that's that is the law of libertarianism non-aggression yeah. principle yeah exactly. uh, one thing you mentioned though that that i'd like to push back against you you brought up black lives matter and how and characterizing them in a certain way mm-hmm. so at the beginning of that movement i was on board as as it as it progressed things changed for me because it, you don't want to characterize them in any way but if you go on their official website They've characterized themselves as a communist movement. If you read their as a mar- as a Marxist organization, right? right. Yes. So, so you have Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a That's, very small group that was the original core people that came up with the terminology and and organized the first protests. If you compare them to the movement as a whole, they're such a small fraction of what the actual movement is. We have gotten endorsements from Black Lives Matter groups. And the reason they gave us their endorsement was because up until that point, they were apolitical. They were a mix of 
uh, of you know Democrats and right leaning people and 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 mostly people who weren't even politically affiliated one way or another. A, a large number of the people that I've interacted with in, in Black Lives Matter protests are not affiliated in politics in any real way one way or another. They are single issue. Uh, uh, in fact, often sometimes they don't even vote. They are single issue protesters, and their protest okay. is so what, is the. Go which ahead. Which way did that go? Did the did the organization glom on to the hashtag, or did the hashtag uh, get invented by the organization? Because the hashtag was invented. So it's hard to tell exactly where the hashtag initially came from, but whether it was the people in that organization who made it or whether they glommed onto it very quickly, they were at the catalyst of the start of that. It may have come from someone else, but it's kind of murky and there's some counterclaims there. But for the most part, they were there early on. But it has now ballooned into something that they are not controlling uh, and, and, and that is, is so much bigger than, I mean, it's international right now. And that organization is a small group of the initial people that, that kind of started the, uh, I guess, the inception of, the, of the, the idea behind Black Lives Matter protests. I mean, this is as far back as when uh, this started with when Trayvon Martin was killed in 2012 or 2011, whenever it was. Yeah. So, I mean, this was something that happened a long time ago and it has kind of ballooned into its own movement that uh, these different groups are, are very, very loosely knit, if at all. I have talked to uh, groups in Virginia, groups in Ohio, groups in other states. They don't even know each other. I mean, it, it, these are really localized, decentralized groups. Um, and so it has become a rallying cry around that term, Black Lives Matter. Um, it is not a, I mean, I've yet to speak to a, an organizer who was concerned even remotely about implementing Marxism. Um, it, it has always been around that rallying cry, similar with the boog boys. Are there some boog boys who initially, when it was first started in like, you know, these, 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 what are the boog boys? You've said that a few times. So, so the, the boogaloo boys, the boogaloo movement is, you know, these are the folks that come out with the, um, uh, Hawaiian shirts and, uh, and, you know, and the, and the, the, the rifles and stuff like that. Uh, they've come out, a, a ton of them have come out to my, to my rallies as well. It actually started in some less than savory internet forums. And uh, some of the people that started that weren't necessarily had didn't necessarily have the best of intentions. It has spawned into something and, and ballooned into something far out of the control of the people who may have originally come up with that term of boogaloo boys, um, and and has now become a, uh, a you know a, 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 an umbrella. It, it's become a rallying cry of people saying. I am not going to let you take away my ability to defend myself and my family and my loved ones and my community. Period. Okay. I like and that they, notion, but that's some bad branding. They got to come up with a new name. Well, so the reason it's called Boogaloo was that it started by them saying, if they take our guns, it's going to be American Revolution to electric Boogaloo. And so, and, and then that turned into, you know, the Boog Boys. And now they've, and then at one point they had to rebrand to the Big Igloo because Boogaloo started getting de-platformed on, uh, on social media. So now they have Igloos all over their side. It's a whole mess. I love them so much. Uh, they're all over the place. But, um, the, but the point of that is there are bad actors in that, in that, in that group. Uh, they are a minority. Uh, and in fact, many of them were part of the initial founding of that organization. But it, you can't besmirch the entire group uh, who is largely peaceful and is just demonstrating that they will defend themselves and others uh, against those who want to try to control them and try to try to take away that last ability to defend themselves. All right. Absolutely. Spike, uh, we're out of time. As, as always, you've been very thorough. Your, your answers are very thoughtful. Everybody vote for the libertarians. Neither party the Democrats and the Republicans, Trump and Biden, they're not going to give you the things they're telling you they're going to give you. They're liars. Yep. Libertarians don't lie because libertarians are not funded by corporate interests. They're funded by you. So what, what you hear is what you're going to get. So get out, vote, uh, 
Spike, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for getting the message out there and I wish you well. Thank you. I just want to end on one thing. You mentioned corporate funding. Uh, last time I checked, Donald Trump had gotten almost $100 million in corporate funding. Uh, Joe Biden had gotten almost $150 million in corporate funding. Yeah. As of the last time I checked, Joe Jorgensen and I have received exactly $0.00 and zero cents in corporate funding. We yes, wouldn't accept be- it. It, because ex- if you're against if you're if you're against monopolies and you're against uh, uh, corporate welfare, which the libertarians are, which you guys are, they're not going to give you money. Right? Their gravy gonna- trains over. When we get into office, their gravy trains over. They're going to have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and and live within their means and stop eating so many avocados like they tell the rest of us to do. Um, you know, and 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 they know that, so they'll never give us the money. We'd never accept it if they were going to. Um, so no, we. If How can we people are- donate? Uh, Joe20.com, J-O-2-0.com. We don't think we're entitled to your money like the Republicrats do. We're not going to steal it with federal matching funding, which is your tax dollars helping pay for their multi-million dollar campaigns while they stay in their bunkers and basements. We believe that if we get your money, it's because we've earned your support and earned your vote. And if I've earned your support and your vote, then I ask you to give what you're comfortably able to, Joe20.com. And soon we'll be accepting crypto any day now. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be a big announcement. There's nothing more libertarian than that. I've been accepting crypto. Yeah. Yes. I've been donating weekly. Everybody. Thank you. Get on Joe 20 and 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 donate to this movement. Uh it's our only way out of this mess. Any 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 last thoughts or anything else? No, that's really it, man. We're working to set America free. We are building a uh army for human liberty, fighting to set this world free in our time. And I believe that our time is now. Let's go win this thing. Absolutely. Thanks, Spike. Thank you, man. Now, I just want to remind you that uh, this podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, CBDMD.com. Um, it's a fantastic product. I, I will not do ads for products that I don't use and that I don't like. Like I've told you guys before, I'm not not doing this podcast or this Facebook page to make money. I do it because I enjoy it. But you know, if someone's going to throw money at me, um, I'll take it. If it's something I believe in and something that I use, and I do use this product, it's fantastic on inflammation. As you all know, I've had my spine fused. I've had my shoulder worked on twice, um, two, two surgeries on my shoulder. I've had my left wrist fused, which makes masturbation incredibly hard and painful. So almost not worth it, but, but still worth it. Um, and CBD gets me through all my pains. Um, it's why I'm still able to be 47 and still be this fine, sexy freak that you, that you guys see and know and love. Um, it's from exercise, diet, and CBD oil. So check it out. Use the code that Dad presents. You get 15% off, and you put a little more change in my pocket than what they're paying me to do this ad. All right, guys. Much love. <laughs>